The following audio is from Jacob's Well Church. For more information about Jacob's Well Church, please visit www.jacobswellgb.org. Today we wrap up our series on the life of Joseph, and one of the major themes in the story of the life of Joseph is the theme of forgiveness. And I guess it's only appropriate that we would end with that theme in thinking about what is full forgiveness. Chad had mentioned this earlier, but there's many times in our life where we think that we have forgiven someone, but the reality is we haven't. Maybe you've experienced this in your marriage, if you're married or with roommates or, or whoever, you, you're good friends, but I know sometimes with my wife, I hurt her and sometimes she hurts me and there's always need for forgiveness and sometimes she will ask me to forgive her and I will say, yes, I forgive you. But then it becomes apparent that I have it because I will avoid her around the house. I will withhold affection from her. I will go to bed and not give a hug and kiss or I'll turn my back to her. And Yes, I know that's horrible. That's the point. But I think that I've forgiven her but uh, I really haven't fully forgiven her. Today, we're going to look at what full forgiveness is. Full forgiveness isn't punitive like mine was. It isn't aiming to hurt another person. Full forgiveness is something that really is pretty unbelievable. If you would, please open up to Genesis chapter 50, the last chapter in Genesis. It's on page 44 in your Red Bible, page 33 in the children's Bible. 83, thank you. As we, uh, as we look through the story of Joseph, there are some things that we saw about forgiveness or the lack of forgiveness. One of the things that we saw is that unforgiveness is the poison you drink hoping the other person dies. We also learned that we should be slow to trust but quick to forgive. Today, we will be admonished not to quickly forgive, but to fully forgive. Today we will see a picture of full forgiveness, and it is a template for us to put over our own life and the areas that we have been hurt and wounded, areas in which people have committed evil against us. So let's look, Genesis chapter 50, we'll read verse 14 through 26. Genesis 50 verse 14. After he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this commandment before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph remained in Egypt, he and his father's house. Joseph lived 110 years, and Joseph saw Ephraim's children 
of the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were counted as Joseph's own. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old. They embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Let's pray. Lord God, as we think of this topic of full forgiveness, God, Lord, would you reveal in our hearts if there is anyone that we are struggling to forgive. For some of us, I'm sure it comes quickly. Maybe it is a family member who has betrayed us, an ex-spouse that has hurt us, a friend who we thought was our friend, but turned on us, abandoned us. For some of us, God, I know that our unforgiveness goes back to our past church, whether it be pastors or elders, or just people at that church, God. Lord, we confess it is easy to say that we forgive. It is so much harder to actually do it. And so we pray for your power this morning to fully forgive those who have done evil against us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Before we get into how we fully forgive I think we first need to recognize that when a great evil is committed against a person, full forgiveness is not the norm. Full forgiveness is not ordinary. See, full forgiveness is not normal forgiveness. It is a forgiveness that, to a certain extent, is beyond belief. It is a forgiveness that is out of this world, a forgiveness that is foreign to everyday life. This is evident by Joseph's brothers as we look at verse 15. Keep your Bibles open and you can follow along with me. In verse 15, we read that when Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. Before we go further, let me just remind you of the evil that Joseph's brothers did to him. We have to go back to the start of the series on Joseph. In Genesis chapter 37, we read that Joseph's brothers hated him that they could not speak peacefully to him, that they were jealous of him because he was their father's favorite. One day, the brothers are out tending the sheep and his father sends them out to check on his brothers and they see Joseph coming, maybe with his, his technicolor dream coat, and they see him coming over the hill and they plot to kill him because they hate him. But their desire to murder is overrided by their desire for greed. And so they decide instead, let's make some money off him. Let's sell him to some slave traders. And so they take Joseph and they throw him into a pit. And as we read in that story and then later in Genesis, what we learn is that after throwing Joseph into the pit, they sat down to eat. And when they sat down to eat, it says this, in truth, this is the brothers confessing later, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. They sat and they ate and the background music to their dinner was their brother crying out 
for help. They sold Joseph off into slavery, would have assumed that it would have been a lifelong slavery. This is the ultimate family betrayal. Even Joseph's brothers identify it as evil. So now we go back to Genesis 50 with their evil in mind. Verse 16. So they sent a message. I love it. They didn't go themselves. They sent a message because they were too afraid to go to Joseph themselves. They sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, Please forgive the transgressions of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servants of the God of your father. I think if you know the story of Joseph, all of us can agree that this is most likely a fabrication, that they just made this story up because they were afraid of Joseph. Joseph had lots of moments with Jacob before Jacob died. We've read of a lot of those moments. And so he had lots of times that he could have said this to Joseph directly. But his brothers, afraid, make up this line from their father and feed it to Joseph, saying, you know what? Daddy said, be nice to us, please. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. The brothers must have been encouraged by the first response that that Joseph was going to continue to be nice to them, that he wept for them. And so they come themselves and they, they, uh, they, they offer restitution. They say, We will be your slaves. They are trying to pay back Joseph for the evil that they have done against him. And when we look at this and we see this whole charade that the brothers go through, we wonder, why did they do this? Why were they petitioning Joseph for forgiveness when he already said that he gave it to him? Why did they come and offer themselves as slaves to pay him back for the evil that they did? And the reason is simple. It's because Joseph's forgiveness was beyond belief. There was no ordinariness to their forgiveness. It wasn't a forgiveness that maybe they had ever experienced or a forgiveness that they had ever given. And so the forgiveness that we're talking about here is not an ordinary forgiveness. It is an extraordinary forgiveness that we would show to those who have hurt us. Now, how do we offer this extraordinary full forgiveness? Well, first, full forgiveness trusts God. Look at verse 19 with me. It says, but Joseph said to them, do not fear for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant, you meant evil against me, but God, and that but is important because it contrasts the brother's intent with God's intent, okay? But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You know, it's important to notice here that in Joseph's full forgiveness of his brother, Joseph does not minimize the sin. Do you see what he calls it? He calls it evil. Joseph knows that what they did was a horrific offense. He didn't minimize the depth of it, saying, you know what, you didn't really know what you were doing. You were in a strange stage of life. You know, daddy was mean to you. I understand it's okay. No, he says it was evil. It is okay and it is good to call what is evil, evil. And just because something is evil doesn't mean it limits us from fully forgiving a person. 
Joseph understands that his brother's actions and heart's intent were evil, but Joseph also understood that there was a greater player at the table. There was a greater force at work. The foundation of Joseph's forgiveness is an overriding belief in the sovereignty of God. In order to fully forgive, Joseph had to look into the pain. He had to look through the intentions of his brothers. And he had to fix his gaze upon the plan of God, the sovereign plan of God. We walked through this a few weeks ago. Theologians talk about this in fancy terms. First cause and second cause. First cause is God's cause and God's purpose in whatever happens. The second cause is man's cause and man's purpose. And so in this particular situation, we see that the second cause, man's cause, for Joseph being sold into slavery was the evil inside the brother's heart. That was their intention. Their intention was wickedness. But God had a greater intention. He had the first cause, which was that many people should be kept alive. As many of you know, Joseph rose to power in Egypt. He saved up food during seven years of famine, and then was able to give it out in the midst of a famine to save the people from starvation. Joseph, by God's grace, was able to look through the second cause to the first cause, and it gave him the ability to grant full forgiveness. God is not the author of evil or conductor of evil, yet God has foreordained all that comes to pass, good, evil, and even what we see as indifferent The Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. I think this would be Joseph's life life verse if he had the New Testament at hand. I will admit when wicked things happen, when marriages are falling apart, when there is seemingly innocent people dying, it is confusing. It's something that we have to wrestle with. And yet we have an overriding belief, or we should have an overriding belief, that God is sovereign even over the wickedness, and that he has a good intention, and that in all of the evil things that happen in our life, and the good, and the indifferent, God is mending together a beautiful tapestry for our good and for his glory. James Montgomery Boyce tells the story of a pastor who would go and visit elderly people that were sick and distressed in his congregation, many people asking, what is going on? How could a good God let this thing happen in my life? Why would he let me suffer to such a great degree? And the minister would come by, and he would open up his Bible, and he would pull out a bookmark, and he would show the people the back of the bookmark, and the back of the bookmark were all of these silky threads in this sort of chaotic jumble And he would show it to them, and they would look at it, and they would be puzzled by it. And then after they examined it for a while, he would turn it over. And on the other side, in color threads, it gets a white background, was the motto, God is love. Many times in our lives, when there there is tragedy around us, we see the backside of the bookmark. We say, this is chaotic. This is crazy. This is weird. God, why is this happening? But God has a perspective that we don't have. God sees the front side. He knows that it is weaving together because of his love for his people 
and for his creation, to redeem all things for his glory. If you believe Romans 8.28 is true, that means you have to believe that all things, without exception, are for your good. All things. This means unemployment, which is tragic. God uses for good. This means abuse, which is evil. God uses for good. This means failed adoptions, which are devastating. God uses for good. This means car accidents at 70 miles an hour, flipping through the air. God uses for good. And so we have to decide today, when God says he uses all things for the good of those who love him, does it really mean all things or does it not? We have to trust God. We have to trust a sovereign God that has a great plan. And this gives us the ability to extend this extraordinary forgiveness. And so full forgiveness, trust God. Full forgiveness also grants grace. You know, Joseph's brothers come to Joseph and beg for mercy, or they send a messenger to do it. And he gives them mercy, and they were delighted that he wasn't going to punish them. But Joseph doesn't stop there. Not only does he not punish them, he extends to them grace. Verse 21, Joseph says, So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph doesn't just show mercy, erasing their debt. He pours out grace by repaying evil with good. In this verse, Joseph is expressing the heart of God. Joseph is promising not to abandon his brothers, but to provide for them, to provide for their daily necessities. We see the heart of Joseph. It is not a begrudging heart, but is a willing heart, a heart that delights to show grace to his brothers. It says that Joseph comforted them and that he spoke kindly to them. Joseph not only forgave them, he gave them grace. There's a story of two famous preachers in London in the 19th century. One's name was Charles Spurgeon. Some of you have probably heard his name. The other is less famous. His name is Joseph Parker. On one occasion, Parker commented on the poor condition of the children at Spurgeon's orphanage. Well, when it got translated to Spurgeon, he understood it as an insult, that he was complaining about the poor condition of the orphanage, not the poor condition of the orphans coming into the orphanage. And so that Sunday, Spurgeon got in the pulpit and he blasted Parker He attacked him, and it was printed in the newspaper, and it was put everywhere. And so you can imagine how the town was abuzz. What would Parker do the next Sunday? How would he respond? How would he give a rebuttal? And so the church was packed, and he got up, and he spoke, and he said, I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in his pulpit today, and this is the Sunday they used to take an offering for the orphanage. I suggest we take a love offering here instead. Later that week, there was a knock at Parker's study. It was Spurgeon, and he said this, You know, Parker, you have practiced grace on me. What a great line. You have practiced grace on me. You have given me not what I deserve. You have given me what I need. Romans 12 says this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. 
Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do you see how this forgiveness is extraordinary? Do you see how this forgiveness is, 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 is not the norm? I want to repay evil for evil. Maybe I'll forgive them, I'll let them go, but I don't want to grant them grace. What would it look like for us to grant grace to those who have done evil things against us? Maybe we can repay evil by praying for them. Maybe we can repay evil by giving them a word of encouragement. Maybe we can repay evil by comforting them and speaking kindly to them and providing for their physical needs as Joseph did. Maybe we can be gracious and love them by confronting them. Partial forgiveness might grant mercy, but full forgiveness gives grace. So full forgiveness trusts God's plan. Full forgiveness grants grace. Finally, full forgiveness proclaims deliverance. Between verse 21 and 22 is 60 years. <laughs> it's a lot of time between two verses. And yet we see the duration, kind of the completeness of Joseph's forgiveness of his brother's Because as his life is winding down, as he is drawing his fleeting breath, he's not cursing his brothers. Joseph is proclaiming the deliverance of God. Look at verse 24. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God. That is the good news, isn't it? You meant it for evil, but God. I'm about to die, but God. You are wicked, but he is good. I'm about to leave, but he will be here. I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. You know, it's very interesting because Joseph's brothers would have been familiar with these promises. Jacob was always talking about them. Why was it that Joseph needed to repeat this great promise of God that they had heard so many times before? Well, it actually kind of goes back to the first point. Do you remember how guilty Joseph's brothers felt? Do you remember how they communicated how evil their sin was? And they thought, surely Joseph could not have fully forgiven us for that. And if Joseph couldn't have fully forgiven, maybe God hasn't fully forgiven us for it either. And so Joseph comes, and he has a special platform as one who has forgiven them to proclaim the forgiveness of God. First, he proclaims it with his life, and he, then he proclaims it with words, and then he reaffirms it by proclaiming hope of deliverance. There's a story, true story, of a woman named Corey Ten Boom. Many of you have probably heard her name before. She was the youngest child of a family that was living in Nazi Germany, and they would hide Jews in their house. Because of her family's bravery, They were thrown into a concentration camp. There were very poor conditions. They could see the bones through their body. They were skinny. Corey's dear sister, who she loved very much, Betsy, died in the concentration camp. After the war was over, much of Europe laid in ruins physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And into that darkness, Corey went around speaking the hope of the gospel and the full forgiveness of God for all people, even her enemies. Corey thought that she had granted full forgiveness to her enemies, but then it was tested 
one day in 1947, and she went to speak in Munich, Germany. After speaking about the forgiveness of God, the people got up and started to file out, and she could see this bald, heavy-set man walking his way down towards her in a trench coat. He came forward, and Corey recognized the man as one of the guards at the concentration camp she was at. Shame immediately came over her because there were times where they had to throw their clothes in the middle and walk naked past this man. And she remembers seeing her sister's skinny, frail body before her. The man came up to Corey after the message, stuck out his hand and said, A good message. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. Corey records this in the book, and she says, And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take the hand. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. The man went on. He said, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? Corey writes, as I stood there, I whose sins had again and again been forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by asking for it? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, but hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, she prayed. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, she thrust her hand into his outstretched arm. And she said as she did that, something incredible took place. She said the current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. She says, for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. God reminded her of his great and full forgiveness for her. And out of that full forgiveness, she was on a platform in which she could not only speak of the forgiveness of God, but she could practice it. She could talk about the deliverance that God has given her at the cross and tell the people in the seats that this deliverance is for you as well. When evil is committed against you or against me, we have a unique opportunity to proclaim the full forgiveness of God, not only with our mouths, but with the grace that we show to those who have offended us. So we see full forgiveness is beyond belief. Full forgiveness trusts God's sovereignty, and full forgiveness grants grace, and full forgiveness proclaims deliverance. Let me end with this. Joseph's weeping. Back in verse 17, You may remember Joseph's brothers send this messenger to Joseph to ask for forgiveness. 
We read, it says, Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgressions, this is verse 17, of your brothers and their sins because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgressions of the servant of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Why did Joseph weep? I mean, we kind of get throughout the story, he's kind of a weepy, emotional guy. But, but why, did he, why did he weep here? Well, he was heartbroken that his brothers thought that his forgiveness was a partial forgiveness. That his forgiveness was contingent on their father's living or dying. He was brokenhearted because the brothers wanted to sell themselves as servants to repay him. He's brokenhearted because they did not know the full forgiveness that they already had. You know, this week a friend reminded me of something I said earlier in the series that as we read through the life of Joseph, so many times we want to put ourselves in Joseph's shoes. Why? Because Joseph was brilliant. He was a man of great character and great discernment. But the reality is we don't fit very well in Joseph's shoes. We fit fit much better in his brother's shoes. Today we've been discussing how you, like Joseph, should fully forgive others. But let's turn that question around to a much more important question. Do you know that if you are in Christ, God has fully forgiven you? Fully forgiven you? Or have you forgotten the full forgiveness of God. Yes, it is beyond belief. Yes, it is a full forgiveness accomplished through evil at the cross. But what we meant for evil, God meant for good. Yes, it is a full forgiveness that not only grants you mercy, but pours out upon you grace upon grace. It is a full forgiveness that not only proclaims the opportunity for deliverance, but is a full forgiveness that accomplishes your deliverance at the cross. Do you know, have you forgotten that by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have full forgiveness for all of your sin in the past and present and future? It's only knowing and experiencing and believing the full forgiveness of God that we will ever have the power to fully forgive others. Final story. On American Idol season five, there's a young singer named Mandisa. Some of you probably know who she is. You probably heard her. And she got up and she sang and she wowed the judges. And then as she walked off the stage, Simon Cowell on national TV made fun of her weight, asking the question, do we have a bigger stage this year? Mandisa commenting on this said, it was my... It was my worst fear come true because it's been the biggest struggle of my life and because it's something I feel so vulnerable about. about. For him to have said that and for it to air on national television, I was devastated. After the show was over, just a bunch of my friends gathered around me and they began to pray for me. They began to pray for Simon. They asked the Lord to have mercy on me. The producers got together with her after the show, and they were planning out the next show where where they would meet face-to-face, and they said, let Simon have it. Go after him. We will bleep out whatever words we need to bleep out. Go after him. And so she comes up to Simon once again face-to-face, and these are the words she says, literally. She says this, I quote, You hurt me, and I cried, 
and it was painful. It really was. But I want you to know that I have forgiven you. You don't need someone to apologize in order to forgive somebody. I figured that if Jesus could die so that all of my sins could be forgiven, I could certainly extend that same grace to you. We can only forgive to the degree that we have experienced the forgiveness of God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that we have been fully forgiven. We know that we come to you and we pray for forgiveness. And we pray knowing that you already have forgiven God. You've even forgiven us for our lack of being at all at your full forgiveness. Your full forgiveness extends to our sense of commission when we do the things we shouldn't do and to our sins of omission when we don't do the things you call us to do, God. Our sin is great, but your forgiveness is so much greater. Thank you that we are forgiven in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.